This is the Team Lotus Cares podcast. We connect with business owners and managers to protect your business from cyber attackers while providing business clarity empowered by technology. You can make technology for your business more productive, secure, and simple. Now, here is Maria and Curtis. Hello, small business owners and professionals out there. Maria, how are you doing? Fantastic. Of course, you're Maria. I'm Curtis. So welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 14 of Team Lotus Cares, the TLC podcast. And we got a lot on the agenda today. There's a lot going on in cybersecurity. Well, without, you know, not, without being redundant, it is always changing. And um, yeah, so I'm trying to keep up with and making sure that we get the most updated information about our world. One of the questions that I get, um, jumping right into it is cybersecurity insurance. So a lot of folks have the belief, and I've, I've had this conversation this year a number of times, the last few months, am I protected by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or FDIC? That is, the you know, every bank's got that little sticker on the window that says we're protected by FDIC. I think it was 100000 for as long as I can remember. I think it's a quarter million now or something. Mm that the protection's there. Now, what are, what is that protect? Now, folks get it in their mind. Any loss on my bank account, somebody skims my card, my debit card, the bank goes under, or um, somebody swindles, you know, $45,000 out of my bank account. It's okay. The, ins- the bank's insured. The bank's insured. It's a write-off. It'll be fine. Sounds like Kramer. No, it- you don't even know what a write-off is, do you? But he—he he is um, the only one of those ones I listed is if the bank fails. The the FDIC was born out of the '30s when there were runs on banks and bank failures, and that's the only time you're going to be protected in those things I listed. Otherwise, it's up to the bank and their policies. I know skimming cards. I've had it happen to me. I think I've walked away whole every time, but I know a lot of companies that are getting scammed out of money via email through fake fake invoices, fake company presentation, and they are not being protected. They are smishing, fishing and smishing. They are losing money. And we personally know companies that have lost tens of thousands of dollars. I think one of them we know if you add it all up, would be approaching the better part of $100,000 that they're out. I think that feeling of you, when you see something like that and, and you know, thinking innocently that is something I recognize, um, does, that this is the type of communication I get every single day. Why would anything be wrong with it? And then when you see, wow, was that a costly error? You know, and a lot of it is because we're all in a hurry. I mean, we are trying to get as much done as humanly possible. Because I, I, if you're like me, you've come to the conclusion you're never going to get it all done. So just get as much done as you can. And, of course, the movement of money in your company is priority one. Processing inbound payments, outbound sales, anything related to money gets a priority. But you still want to get stuff done fast. Absolutely. And you wake up and, bam, you have been hit. So this steers us into another part of cybersecurity insurance. So you've done your due diligence. You've done the right thing. You bought the cybersecurity insurance, picked it up a year or two ago when this really became uh, common in business vernacular. But now you're facing renewal time. Every year we, we renew. And, you know, our car insurance, 
you know, it's kind of a, uh, uh, it just happens. Um, our other business insurance, as far as I know, they just happen. There's not a lot of questioning or anything. Not the case with cybersecurity. The insurance companies are losing money on cybersecurity claims. And so they're tightening the underwriting on this and they are making, and they're becoming more stringent. They're asking you more questions up front so that down the road, if a claim comes in, they can say, hey, you said here that you do use multi-factor authentication, but it appears that you don't use multi-factor authentication. We're out. We're good. We're not paying you. Absolutely. Um, I think when there's a presidency, it's really easy to say, um, this is what we're going to cover, and that's not one, what it's going to cover until it happens, and then the realization sets in. It says, well, if that two-factor authentication was in place, could this have been preventative? And all of a sudden, a regulatory question comes into place and uh, during your audit and says, yes, this is a must. How are you going to prove it to me that you have it? Yes. That yeah. used to be they just asked you and took your word for it. Now they want proof that you're doing it. They want to see the results of a scan or, you know, any other type of operation from your IT provider that shows, yes, we are doing this. This is the product we're using. This is how we've implemented it. And they're even going that deep. And so as a business owner, if your provider is not having this conversation with you like we are right now, that's a problem. They should be either talking to you about whether or not you have cybersecurity insurance why you should have cybersecurity insurance, and they should also be assessing you and preparing you for that, that in what's going to come along with it, the, with the inevitable assessment. I think that um, when you're shopping around for a provider, there's so many questions. I'm not quite sure. Did I cover everything? You know, in, 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 and we do offer a guideline for those that are, are, are curious, but these things are the consultative part of the process when you're shopping from for a provider, any type of provider, not just technology. You know, what do you cover? How is that actually managed? You know, and if they have a process and they can go and kind of guide you through that schedule, then you know that they proactively are working on your behalf um, based on past experience um, in knowledge of what's happening in the industry. It is really hard for a business owner or a professional to know everything that's happening. Well, that's not what your main focus is. That's not your expertise. So that is one definitely indicative part that you should pay attention to. What is your process? How do you manage that? And if they can give you a schedule or they can talk that, you know, have that conversation that sounds like a process, like an implemented process, then that's something you definitely want to consider. And you know Maria's serious when she's banging on the table. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, the whole you know aspect is like you know how do I cover this liability? Insurance is definitely not forte or that that comes with within my purview. We are absolutely going to spend a lot more time talking about this in future episodes, digging deeper into it. And we've got some educational opportunities coming up that we're going to share with you in future episodes, and we'll cover it here as well. So to move on from cybersecurity insurance, one of the latest things that we're seeing come into the IT world, and you mentioned proactive, and this is the ultimate proactive tool. It's called whitelisting or application whitelisting or whitelisting applications is uh, how we refer to it in our industry to kind of give you 
a great example of this. Imagine you're trying to protect a piece of property, whether it's your home, your business, and you're very stringent about who can come into your business. There's a couple different ways you can do this. You could station guards all around your property. And then when people are walking in, you could have the guard look at them and say, does that person look like they're up to no good? And you, know, you would say, no, that's silly. Why would anyone do that? The smart thing to do would be build a big wall or a fence or something around your property, have one single point of access, and when somebody walks up, they have to prove that they need to be there and that they're supposed to be there and they're not there to burn the place down. Document, or... document, document. Exactly. Document it. So how do you do that? How do you go through a company and figure out every piece of software that every person uses in that company? When white an application whitelisting, that's exactly what we do. We go through and are able to assess every piece of software that people use within their business. Now, we know the, the standards, Word, Excel, Outlook, Adobe Photoshop even. Um, but we'll pick up some weird ones on occasion and we'll go back to the business owner, managers and say, hey, so-and-so at the end of the hall is using such and such software. Um, I prime example. I just saw this one the other day, YouTube to MP3. We're like, what are they doing with that? So we inquired about it. So we learn about that. So we'll take a couple of months and study a company. It could be anywhere from four to eight weeks. We'll study the, the, what a company is using as far as software. Then we say, okay, this is our baseline. This is our policy for that company. And then we turn it on at that point going forward. If anybody tries to use a piece of software, download a piece of software, install a piece of software, that's not part of that application whitelist or that, that policy we've built out, then kills it, stops it, shuts it down in its tracks. The reason we do that is a couple of reasons. One, it keeps the computers clean from getting malware and that type of adware and, and, free software over the internet, but it also stops malicious software such as ransomware from launching on the computers and servers as well, especially computers with end users. Yeah, um, <clears throat> this process is kind of like a lab and kind of scrutinizing these little small nuances that to um, the everyday person that's, you know, using a system for whatever reason, um, be it mobile, be it, um, you know, a uh, desktop um, it's not something you pay attention to. So we create um, kind of an, an, a, a smart environment where we can study up, see how that actually applies to the day-to-day -day applications. Um, and that's what you want out of a, a technology company. Absolutely. And, and you'll hear me say this a lot. Um, this is not a be-all, end-all. You know, because a lot of, especially tech folks will hear, wait a minute whitelisting. That's it. That's going to solve all of my problems. I will not have any issues <laughs> with ransomware. And they, and by the way, IT people, some of them say that about everything. They'll say that, oh, you've got a backup. Great. You don't have to worry about it. If we get hit with ransomware, we'll just recover the, the, uh, from the backup, which they don't mention could take a week or so. But so this is just a, another piece of the puzzle. We don't sell this alone. We don't install it alone. We don't manage it alone. It's part of a puzzle that fits in with a broader picture 
of a security operations center firewall, things like that. So, but, but I, I wanted to zero in on today because it's probably one of the most exciting, um, technologies that has emerged in the past year or two in IT security. So just want to, if somebody mentions application whitelisting, you'll know a little bit more about it. So let's move on to Apple products, which it's been quiet lately. We had that uh, run in a couple of weeks ago with a, a vulnerability. Right now, they've uh, just released. As we're talking, it's rolling out across to the Apple speeder around the world. Uh, the uh, iOS, iOS 16. So the, this uh, latest version allows you to reverse or edit iMessages. So those are the texts that you can send to other Apple users. Um, they show up, I think, what, blue on your Apple device. You can now, if you once you upgrade to iOS 16, you'll have, I'm trying to remember, uh, two minutes to delete an iMessage or 15 minutes to edit an iMessage. No more. It's like, that was not intended for you. Right. Yeah, you won't, you won't get that anymore. Some cryptic <laughs> message you go. What or or you get this message and go, wow! I I didn't know we had that kind of relationship. <laughs> so, no more of that. They're going to be able to reverse it or edit it. Um, now, once the person reads it, then you know it's been read. But you know, of course, uh, if you're can't unsee it. If you're yeah, right, that we the iOS cannot help you with unseeing it. So this is not like the uh, what was that movie where they could flash the little flashy thing at you and make you forget. Men in Black. Men in Black. Yeah, yeah, this is no Men in Black technology. We're not quite there yet. So we're still looking for that. Absolutely. If you're not ready to move to iOS 16, and some folks, especially who are using the phone for business purposes, could be a bit intrepid about uploading. Maybe your IT department doesn't allow it. The minimum you do want to do is upgrade to 15.7, which I think replaces 15.6.2. And 15.7 does take care of some security issues and kind of rolls up some security patches that they've fixed lately. Podcasting. You're listening to a podcast right now, and it is all the rave. Of course, uh, one of the, you know, I, the two big podcasters in the world are um, Mark, 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 what's the, um, she married away the prince. I can't remember Megan. her. Megan. Yes. Megan Markle. Is that her name? Yes. Tells you how in touch I am with modern society. How can you ignore the monarchy? <laughs> I, I do know the queen passed away, so I know that much. But she's the number one or two podcaster. Of course, um, Joe Rogan is flirting with number one and two as well on uh, Spotify. But your business can get involved in podcasting. It's not that difficult. And, you know, we've kind of, been learning our way through it here as we've been going along, helping some other folks with podcasts. And so we offer the ability to um, to use our studios, which we're using right now our, in our equipment, and then uh, we'll help you get it hosted and listed. And it's, I, I will be honest, to do a good podcast is more difficult than technically than you would realize. But the benefits, though, to um, for those people that are on, in our in our world, right, in our business and professionals that don't have, we love to sit down and read a book, 
Yes, we do <laughs> want to do that. Um, but the benefits are is to get the information no matter where you're at, whether you're exercising, it doesn't prevent you from doing other activities. And I think that that's a, a big reason why people love podcasting. And there's a, a podcast for every single topic out there. Thank goodness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the great thing about podcasts is they, they live forever. As long they live as long as you want them to. If a podcast does age beyond, you know, reasonable usage or relevance, there we go. If it ages beyond relevance, then you can take it down and, and get rid of it. Unlike it's a lot different than social media. Social media is kind of a flash in the pan, but yet still lives forever. This it's immediate information, but you have control of it when you're ready for your podcast to not be available anymore. You just delete it, remove it from hosting and it's gone yeah. or you could either like um you reuse certain um aspects of your podcast because some of it's still relevant to new um upcoming um phases sure. of you know not all business is debunked yes. at all time um or good information out there um but it's some of your podcast could be relevant to something that may um develop in the near future Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they really could. Um, so if you're interested, um, you can uh, drop us an email and, uh, and reach out to us or give us a call and, um, we can get you set up. And like I can say, if you're in the Orlando area, you can even rent uh, these studios that we're sitting in and use our equipment for a pretty low fee for something that'll be around forever. So come join us. Absolutely. Yes. Come to the podcast side. <laughs> Weekly cybersecurity tips. You send them out every Wednesday morning. I, I get them. They're a nice reminder, even for me, of things. Yeah, I, I need to. Am I doing that? Yes, I am. It's funny when I when I see the like. I mean, it goes out every single week. We've been doing this for quite some time. Yep. Um, a new set of cybersecurity tips came out at the beginning of the year, and it's you know going to be running its course um, through you know 2023. Um, and we'll come up with something different at that time. But it's funny. Every so often, I get an email back. And I'm yes. like, yes, there is someone on the other side. And feel free to respond. Maria does read those yes. and, and does respond to those. So if, if something triggers a question when you get the weekly cybersecurity tip, just hit reply. It comes from a real address, Maria's address. Yes. And you can hit reply and uh, start a conversation. So join the conversation. Another invitation for you. Oh, what is it? Weekly cybersecurity tips dot com yeah don't mess that up yeah weekly you, you cyber security tips dot com yeah you end up in a weird place weekly cyber security tips dot com great another great episode in the books in the can as they say and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week here on the team lotus cares podcast till the next time Thank you for listening to the Team Lotus Cares podcast. This is a free service of Lotus Management Services, business clarity empowered by technology. Visit us on the web at lotusbusinesstech.com.